The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. Testing, testing, one, two, three, there we are. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to our show. Welcome back to the Culture Insanity Podcast. This is episode number five. Episode number five of season four. So, thanks for joining us. We have, um, as always, Pastor Monty with us. And today we have another guest, and this is Dan. Dan, how do you pronounce your last name, Dan? Hughes. Hughes, Dan Hughes from Zion, downtown Portland. Um, so Dan and Alethea have been, or Dan's church and Alethea have been partnered for the last couple of years now. Dan was in the the rotating, the rotating uh, crew for our um, cross examination panel discussion. So um, you might have seen him there, but uh, yeah, he's he's joining us on our podcast this morning. It's the first time we've seen Dan in like a year because of cause COVID, just like it was the first time we saw David last last time. So. We're happy to have Dan here, um, checking out the new studio. We built this studio during the pandemic. Looks great. Yeah, well, it's a it's a widow's mite, you know. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I want to take a picture of it. So yeah. That I, it, it inspires. David uh, David also <laughs> took notes of it. He's like, even just something simple is the technology you're using. I would exactly. like to know like what what you guys. Anyways, so yeah, we've been busy during the pandemic, Dan. Um, but yeah, we're happy to we're happy to have Dan here, and we're happy to be back. So. I guess let's just get right into it. Uh, our producer might have sort of previewed what we're talking about today, but um, today we're going to be talking about um, a few things. One of them sort of in line with what we're talking about um, at church at Aletheia right now, um, Pastor Monty, with the, the sermon arc that we're on as far as how we can be discerning of like media you know and specifically right now dan our month is is geared toward movies and television and how as believers we can sort of um navigate that world and you know protect our minds and this kind of thing and so one of the topics is sort of um is sort of going to be orbiting around that that general idea is just understanding the the believer's role or the church's role um in media and you know cultural production and how we can you know be useful and beneficial in that sort of battlefield um because there's some um i'd call them celebrities but the truth is i don't know that they are celebrities <laughs> there's some there's some like d-listers um so we're gonna be talking about that we'll get into it in a second here and then we have um some unlikely sort of um supporters of the faith in uh, someone like gene simmons <laughs> and Al and um alice cooper and then uh, you know Disney, Disney gets gets into the news again for different things that Disney is doing. Um, they seem to be at the forefront of that sort of pioneering or trailblazing, you know, wokeness. Oh, they have been for years. Yeah, and they will continue to be. It seems like. Um, so yeah, we got a few things on the docket. I hope we can get to a few things. But as as I was telling Dan, and as Pastor Monty knows, hey. One hour is one hour, and uh, it's 60 minutes and 60 seconds in a minute, so <laughs> we'll do what we can with it. So let's get into it. So as I said, certain celebrities, quote-unquote, have made their way into the headlines in the last week, two weeks or so, as we're, as we're um, you know, pulling from, from headlines and news, because that's what we do. Um, and when I say celebrities, I don't mean that. <clears throat> Kevin Sorbo. You familiar with Kevin Sorbo? Hercules. Hercules. <laughs> you know Kevin Sorbo? Come on, he's a he's a he's a celebrity. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's a loose loosely. In his own right. Sure. He's a relative celebrity. <laughs> I'm a relative celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, he was in the news recently. And as well as this other guy, he's you're not gonna know him by name. He's a character actor and, and many different things, but they're both sort of touching on the same thing. And so we'll we'll approach each article um, and sort of ask questions pertaining to it, but they're both sort of orbiting around the same idea. Um, so first of all, I think Jasmine, our producer, will will post the article for the for the watcher if you wanna you know have it up while we're talking about it. But essentially, the suggestion is that the church isn't doing enough to support this field of ministry, meaning uh, you know like <laughs> movies and television. Sheila. He was talking about how. His experience as an actor, and specifically, I don't know if you've 
I don't know if you've traced his career or been tracking him diligently, Kevin Sorbo, since Hercules, but he appears in a lot of like faith-based um, media, you know, movies. Um, he was in this God's not God is not dead, which was a low-budget, you know, Christian movie that went on to make you know like a, over a hundred million dollars. So it was hugely successful in that regard. Um, we'll leave that at that. And then he's most recently um, like narrating this documentary regarding like. Uh, Revelation, the book of Revelation and the rapture and what this all means and um, so on and so forth. So he's he's in an interview and he's he's promoting this documentary that he's a part of, that he's narrating. And he's telling the interviewer his experience um, since he's been involved in these types of movies and TV shows is he gets a lot of he gets a lot of um, feedback or input from different pastors of different churches or different people on the street saying you need to do more of these things. Like, why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you doing more? And like, they they're sort of putting the onus on on him to to do more for the faith as a as an actor. And his response um, to them is that, well, the truth is, uh, the church needs to be doing more. The church needs to do more to um, you know fund this ministry that I you know I'm taking a part in. And the truth is, I'm on working on a three million dollar movie, and that's the food budget for Avengers. You know, <laughs> like, and he's sort of cheeky response like that which is hilarious and disgusting at the same time um but uh yeah he he fires back with like well the, i don't think the church is doing enough you know why is it that why is it that i'm i'm operating in a in a niche part of this industry you know <coughs> just faith-based films and movies and stuff um why isn't the church doing more to give a higher quality of product because the truth is and i don't know if you guys watched much or you you know you you consume that kind of media but it's terrible like you know christian tv shows and movies is generally it's bad writing you know like cliched characters it's kind of hitting you over the head with the message and the theme and the right uh yeah the writing is bad the, pr the production value is low like it's it's not on a on a higher level and i don't think you're ever going to get you know an avengers budget for a, a faith-based anything <laughs> i don't think that's realistic but his point is we're not we're not fighting with the same tools is, is sort of what he's getting at and we don't have the same pull and this and that so before i keep talking i want to open it up to your guys's initial thoughts and we can sort of get into a more targeted question but what are your guys's initial thoughts on on where kevin sorbo is coming from man you're tough <laughs> i don't know do you think he has a point well, do I you think, think he has rose-colored glasses? Do you think? Do you think we should even be investing, like quite literally, investing in this in this market to produce something meaningful and useful for people? When, well, again, we're going to get into the specifics of that, but I think I, I think one of the things that there there's simply there is certainly a drop-off <laughs> sometimes with Christian films, like Christian art, mm -hmm. if you will. Sure. And a lot of it has to do with acting quality <laughs> and visual well, that's quality the, of the that's film, the, that's script the, quality. That's, yeah, that's the low-hanging, easy <laughs> yeah, thing to hear. Yeah, 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 like, yeah the low-hanging fruit. Oh, but it's so terrible. But seriously, but like, there's this recent series called The Chosen that's out, for example, mm -hmm. and they, they run on a limited budget. Um, I think it was $4 million to fund, mm. um, or like $1 million an episode or something like that. Um, and it it's very... It's very well done. Mm. I mean, they have great sets. Um, the visual quality is excellent. Uh, the script is good. Um, and the acting is also uh, on par with, mm. with other things. And, and I think that uh, what we need is more visionaries who are willing to say that there's, there's a certain level I'm willing to go. But if the art is at a certain level, I'm not going to produce it simply mm. because it's, it's for yeah. other Christians sure. or easy to access for other people. Hmm. And I think we're uh, we're limited in that front. Now, there's there's some films that kind of went under the radar that I think are quite interesting, like uh, Believe Me, for example. Have you guys seen Believe Me? Went under my radar. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was directed and written by this guy named Will Bakke. Okay. Um, and it's about this guy who... Like, I don't know, some of it's a little cliche, but he, uh, he can't fund his last semester of college. Okay. And so he goes to church with these friends who happen to be churchgoers, and he sees these missionaries who went on a mission trip to Hawaii, and they were raising funds, and they were able to raise $3,000 from offerings alone. Mm -hmm. And he said, what kind of accountability do you guys have for this mission? And she's like, excuse me, accountability? 
It's a mission, you know. And and so he a light bulb goes off in his brain that he's going to create this this uh, this fake organization mm-hmm. and this fake mission trip to raise funds, uh, claiming that they're building wells in Lesotho. <clears throat> and they end up taking this journey, like they get picked up by this uh, traveling evangelistic group, and they end up taking this journey where you know they end up be in pretending to be be Christians. They end up. Uh, finding God in the process. Mm. And it's actually really well done. There's really great acting. It's, uh, and I guarantee he didn't have the substantial budget to pull this off, but it was really well done. And, and part of it too was Christians making fun of themselves, which (laughs) I think we need more of being honest, like, yeah, Yeah. being authentic, some authenticity. Um, like if we create films that say everything we do is great, everything evangelicals do is great. Yeah. That's that's not being very honest. And it like like I was alluding to, like a lot of the times that type of art, you know, faith based art, it's it's very rose colored, you know, like yeah. it's and it's hit you over the head, and it's not it's not taking into account the human nature and the nuances of life and these things. Like you're saying, maybe what made it good is this it almost was poking fun at itself and in the process, you know, and these characters in the process, they actually did find, you know, their relationship with God. But yeah, a lot of the times those, those movies, like what, what's the channel that, that generally is it, um, Home, Hallmark is generally like... Oh, that's a chick flick channel. That's a but chick it, flick channel, yeah. So it's not sure. Hallmark. I might think no. of a different channel. Okay, I don't know. You're thinking maybe, I don't know, TVN? I, I, <laughs> I can tell what you've been watching. I yeah. don't. <laughs> I, I don't. Trust me. My mom does. <laughs> but, but anyways, yeah, a lot of the times it's just so... It's just so bad, you know? Like, I don't know. What do you think, Pastor? You know, I, first and foremost, taking it out of the realm of the... Um, nuance of, of Christian filmmaking, first and foremost, it is a business. Mm-hmm. And the reality of it is, is filmmaking is all about business. And you're not going to get people to want to invest their money. And that's how films are made, by the way, is by going out and getting people who are going to want to drop cash yeah. into a project... And they look at that and say, is this a wise investment? Am I investing my money so that I'm going to get a return on that capital that I invest? And will this film produce money? Yeah. So so I think when, when people pitch um, these projects that they're doing uh, in regard to Christian filmmaking, they don't approach it from that standpoint. They approach it from the standpoint of, you know, we're uh, we're believers, or we're trying to put forth a method, a message, and you know we want this to to glorify God and uh, and be used as a vehicle, and that's not a message that uh, investors want to hear. Yeah, it's hard. In, it's a hard sell. <laughs> investor <laughs> investors want to hear. You know, you want a million dollars of my cash? Well, you know, what's the return going to be? Right. And and so that's. First and foremost, that is an issue that I see that uh, that is here because uh, believers who are endeavoring to enter into this uh, form, if you will, this form of evangelism uh, are not talking the right language. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a... It's a hard sell. You're saying it's a hard it, sell. To go it can to be a hard sell. I mean, you need company. you need somebody. What you need is you know the Lord to raise up somebody who who uh, has the gift of gab and uh, has uh, <laughs> and has uh, the touch uh, to be able to get investors to invest in the projects that are there. And then once you so you talk about uh, actor quality. Well, yeah. you know, good actors cost money. They cost money. Yeah. You know now now Kevin's doing this as a ministry. So he's a good actor, but he's doing this as a ministry. So he, you know, doesn't take the kind of money that he would normally take if he were an actor saying... For the record, I'm I don't a, actually know if he's a good actor. He's a good actor. Is he a good actor? Oh, come on. Hercules, are you kidding me? And that's that's, that's great stuff right there. Seems, right. seems, right. seems tongue-in-cheek, but keep, but keep going. My, 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 point, my point being that if you want to get great actors to work that script that you feel is dynamite, you got to have the cash. 
So John, that, that's a good point. I mean, like uh, business wise, you do have to to get good actors. You have to be willing to pay for good actors. Yeah. But I'm curious how like Dallas Jenkins, the director of Chosen, has found all of these actors who are really excellent, mm -hmm. and they're on a limited budget. Like you can I'm, do it. I'm guessing like, they're all obscure. Like I think actors. so too. But but I, he's I obviously got some savvy and some connections. Yeah, to and make that's this and that's producers. That's what producers yeah. do. Yeah. They you know they go out and they make connections and they're able to do that. But I think first and foremost, the biggest issue that these uh, these uh, venues face is is that they do not treat it uh, as uh, wanting it to be a successful business enterprise. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> a few comments from the listeners. Um, sure. John Parker says, "Is a blockbuster going to win people to Christ?" Like, and I don't know if John is asking the question in regards to in response to like. What if what if we did produce a a faith based blockbuster? And like I don't know if he's asking the question: Is that going to necessarily win people to to Christ? I'm not sure, John, what your what where your exact angle is in your question, but we hear your question. Um, Lucy Brown and Josh both point out, you know, huge movies, hugely impactful cultural movies: The Ten Commandments, Chariots of Fire, Ben Hur, uh, Passion of the Christ, like. It is possible to make a faith-based movie um, and be good and culturally impactful with the right um, because they had the tools. budget. I mean, you know, Cecil B. DeMille. They, I mean, they had the right budget. To so be maybe able that to brings up a different question. So a lot of those movies, especially the ones that Lucy um, um, mentioned, first of all, Lucy might be of of an older generation. I'm guessing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I can neither is that, confirm is, nor deny. <laughs> is that indicative of a different time then than now? Like, oh, yeah. why were movies getting such? Why was Charlton Heston, you know, involved in this big movie? And why why don't we see? Uh, I mean, who's at the top of their game now? I don't know. Chris, I mean, Chris Pratt's a bad example. Chris Pratt's like an outspoken Christian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just think of people who are like on the top. Yeah, I don't know, like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom, or Tom Cruise, or something. Yeah, Tom Cruise. Well, that's a bad example too. Yeah, yeah, he's I a know, I know. <laughs> Man, it's hard to find just yeah. a, a quick example. But why aren't why aren't these big time actors, uh, you know, involved in these big time productions? Is, is indicative of the times. You know, maybe we live in a in a culture that hates God more now than they. Used to in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, when these that's, things were. There's truth to that. I think there's truth to that. And that's going to sort of lead into a, a topic later or a question later. But um, Heidi asks, or Heidi says, Case for Christ, do you want actors with no relationship with Christ, though, just for the acting? That's a good question. You know, because well, a, lot of, a lot of them, I think, I mean, I can't say this with any sort of. Uh, you they're know, actors, yeah, like, ID. They're actors, but yeah. <laughs> traditionally in these faith-based films, are you getting people that are in in agreement with the message of the film? Like, and is right. that is that a um, what do you call it? Is that a, a hindrance? Is that a handicap? Yeah. To to the to the mission field of. Well, I think it's the same uproar that uh, someone made the point uh, that. Oh, you should have someone with a real disability playing someone with a disability, and it's just that's like, well, the culture we that's live what, in. That's yeah. what acting is. It's pretending to yeah. be someone like it's. Yeah. But it's embodying Dan, something. It's a, that's offensive to say. You know? I know. I know. I'm, it's being so <laughs> offensive. Um, but I think that uh, there's like, for example, Jim Caviezel's journey as playing Christ and Passion yeah. of the Christ. I don't think he was a believer before taking on that role, but he wanted to play Jesus, mm -hmm. and he emerged from that set. Um, with with faith, so it could be a tool of uh, you know introducing actors to the faith in that's some it, sense. Yeah, that's interesting. Because if you have to embody Christ in this role, you have to you have to read the Bible, you have to read the Word. The Word of God has power. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, okay. So if you have to look at the purpose of the film, so the the heart of people who want to make these types of film is that they want to use the media as a vehicle to reach people for Christ. That's a, you know, that's an honorable uh, thing to want to do. Mm -hmm. Then you have to ask the next question, is your use of that media um, done in an appropriate way and, and uh, will it be effective? And the will it be effective part, um, that's, that's the Holy Spirit's job. 
So you can produce what you're going to produce, but the reality of it is, is we make it, uh, hear me out, we make it difficult for God in order, although he can work miracles, we make it difficult for God when we produce junk and expect him to bless it mm. and to be effective. And you always have to ask the question when you're, when you're looking at something from an evangelism standpoint, listen, is it, is it more effective to, to preach the word of God? Uh, is it more effective to have uh, home Bible studies? Is it more effective to have uh, uh, well, uh, somebody stand on a street corner well, on a soapbox? I was glad. I'm glad you you bring it there because that's sort of the that's sort of how I view traditional Christian movies and television shows. It is it has a soapboxy feel, you know, like it it. Again, it's trying to bludgeon you in the head with the yeah. message of the movie, and sometimes people need a bludgeon, right? Like, and I'm not saying that 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 there's not a time and a place for that, but as a as a blanket m method for ministering to people, I think you have to be more nuanced in your approach, um, and you know, speak to the well. Your movies of old here, and here's my your point exactly. Your movies of old that you. You were uh, highlighting probably Lucy Brown has more familiarity with. They they had a they had a a a Christian nuance. This is what Josh says too. In the yes, comments. they had a, a Christian nuance wrapped in a a, a dynamic storyline. Yeah, Josh says art replicates life, products of the times, whereas those movies replicated you know they were a product of the time where there was a christian consensus we've we've um devolved from that you know we've 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 gone astray from the christian consensus as a as a culture and now we're we're you know god hating um <laughs> quite honestly well i wonder like so monty brings up an interesting point i want to go back to yeah. he was talking about how how we go about marketing the film and leaving room for the holy spirit right. um and I think about it like with uh, just the state of the church today and evangelicalism and, and how we as the church try to do the same thing in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. we, we try to attract people. But really, if you think about it, the attractional model of the church belongs to a bygone era. Like, like this whole, like, I want people to come to my particular church instead of like, I want people to be introduced to Christ. And I think it's like uh, with the film, sometimes it's like I want people to watch my film mm. rather than I want people to be introduced to Christ because right. being introduced to Christ ha has to happen in like an organic way and coming to my church or watching my film or, or consuming this thing um, is uh, inorganic in mm. some ways. Yeah, no, it's just like trying to get people to watch uh, um, your, your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We have a growing audience on here, you know. <laughs> so he makes a se uh, Kevin Sorbo makes a second point in the article, one that was alluded to. Um, his suggestion in the article is that atheism within within cultural production is a rampant worldview, um, and he says that unchecked, it, it it's been allowed to flourish. Um, that the church isn't doing enough to combat false truths within the sort of battlefield of media um, and cultural production, and it's spreading, you know, hateful, atheistic ideology and worldview. And then he asked the question, like, what is the church doing about that? So this is really on point to uh, a book that I'm teaching here at Lake Arena. Have you ever read Total Truth by Percy, Nancy Percy? Uh, yes, I've read. Uh, I didn't read the whole thing, but I read. I've so read parts of it, yeah. in it, she's talking about you know the naturalistic worldview, you know Darwinian worldview, and how it's it has it has evolved, <laughs> and uh, and and books are written to address all aspects of life from a Darwinian worldview, right? Like books about science and books about sex and books about even down to like specifics like women's roles in the workplace all you know stemming from a naturalistic worldview and it i mean there's a whole chapter and she just cites book after book and and textbook and books that are taught in colleges and all these things from a from a naturalistic worldview and she basically ends the the chapter asking like 
So what are we doing in that regard, you know, to combat that? Because this worldview, this false ideology, you know, this faulty worldview um, that eventually will lead you to despair if you were consistent within it, <laughs> um, it is it's approaching every aspect of life and there's books being written about it and this kind of thing. Um, Sorbo's point is hateful, you know, hate toward God is, is, you know, rampant within, within culture, within movies and television. And what is the church doing about that? What are your guys' thoughts from, from that point that he's making? Like, do you think that there should, it should be taken as a more serious ministry? Well, I think there's certainly a lot of a lot more animosity towards Christianity and uh, biblical worldview than there used to be. One of the things, though, like I don't know, atheism, like even calling yourself an atheist, is something of a trendy thing. Yeah, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, right? Sure. And so, like, there'll be a lot of people. I, I was in a conversation with a friend about this uh, the other day, and there'll be people who claim they're atheists, and then they're like, "Oh, my house is haunted." Yeah, and my buddy's like, "What? <laughs> are you an atheist or are you not? Like, uh, if you're an atheist, yeah. you don't believe anything of the supernatural, so I can yeah. think it's haunted." Yeah. So there's a lot of like confusion, like, "Oh, I want to reject the the Christian worldview because, well, you know the, uh, the you know the culture claims that evangelicals are bad, but atheism. I still have some sort of you know obviously there's some sort of supernatural out there. Yeah. So people are searching; they're just. Uh, uh, searching in uh, atheism. Other places. Atheism by nature is paradoxical, right? Like, right. Yes. I don't believe yeah. in God. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah. there is a God. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? But what? What are your thoughts on his, his second point here? Like, well, you know, the, the uh, Nancy Percy's point was to to address the fact that that basically taking off of Schaefer's work that the the um, the church lost yeah. this aspect of the battle. Uh, or, or, uh, late 1800s, yeah. and never, never really saw it as a serious issue for the consequences which were extended into the future. So, Correct. So what? So, part of the problem right now is Christianity, um, particularly within American culture, but Christianity uh, is uh, has an identity crisis and is not well defined. That's the reason, for example, on my program, Truth Time with Pastor Monte, um, I do not use the term Christian in order to describe uh, those people that associate themselves with Christ. I refuse to because the term Christianity has become so watered down and mm -hmm. so uh, conflicted that it's, it's uh, deceptive. And therefore, the, the uh, different beliefs that are associated with the term Christian are also watered down and confusing for people. Mm. That's why I use the term disciple of Christ. Mm. If you're a disciple of Christ, that means that you're following the teachings of Jesus Christ. You're not adhering to, say, uh, Roman Catholicism, right. which, which says that it, re it represents Christianity, which it clearly does not from a biblical standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, but so the... That's the reason why here at Aletheia, for example, we're very careful to present uh, what Christianity is from a scriptural standpoint, and our teachings are directed towards doing that. And it, you, you basically have to do that. There, there, from, from my observation, there is not one single um, church that you can point to within American culture and say that church uh, represents what Christianity should be for the entire nation. Mm. Because in this culture, you can't do that. Yeah. And that, that's representative of, of a problem, and that's the reason why, as we come closer to the advent of Christ, there's going to be a, a huge apostasy because you have a ton of people who claim to be something they're not or do not understand what they claim to be. Yeah, <clears throat> Josh in the comments uh, says that we outsource the church's responsibility to inform silos of culture to professionals now. Yeah. The church now only talks about church things, and we've relegated ourselves. And yeah, that's that's what your point is. That's what yeah. Piercy's point is, um, that... You know, we've we've relegated ourselves. The, the, she borrows on Schaefer's 
um, two-story model, you know, lower story and upper story, lower stories being objectable, object, objectable, you know, science, facts, these kinds of things, upper story being values, you know, which have no, have no place on the lower story. And Christianity has relegated itself to staying upstairs instead of allowing the biblical worldview to speak to the whole of everything. The point of Kevin Sorbo exactly is that, you know, you have this rampant you have this rampant worldview within culture and what are, you know, how can we get out of that? You know, how can we speak meaningfully in, in, in all these different ways? Because, Hey, this other ideology is just running, running the field here, you know, like, and what are we doing about that? Like, how can we, how can we get a seat back at the table in that regard? Um, I, I believe him to be saying that or challenging the churches, um, trying to get the power back basically, um, so it can speak into culture. And that's what, Piercy's saying, that's what Pastor Monty's saying. Do you have additional thoughts on that? We have another comment, but do you have... <laughs> well, I think, I agree. I, uh, I stay away from the word Christian, too, when refer especially when referring to my people from the pulpit, for example. Right. I, I say followers of Jesus, mm -hmm. um, okay. which is, you know, another way of saying Same disciples thing. of Christ. Yeah, yeah exactly, because <laughs> I, I think that uh, Christian itself is a term that uh, brings a lot of different ideas mm -hmm. yes. um, and brings a lot of different sort of ideologies to the table. Mm -hmm. And so like uh, saying follower of Jesus is a little more concise way of mm. uh, actually representing what you mean. Mm. Um, That's interesting too, <laughs> just thinking about it, because even uh, non-believers, you know, they, they don't necessarily knock Jesus the person and even non-believers historically recognize that this man existed, you know, and he's, he is good, you know, like, so it's, it maybe is a, it's a subtle way of, <laughs> it's a subtle way of, um, how do you, I don't know what to say, subtle way of just bridging a gap, I guess, even like you're saying it in regards to your, your congregants, right? But right. even if a, if a, if a non-believing person is listening, maybe they're def their wall isn't thrown up all automatically, you know, in, in vocabulary, in language or whatever. But um, right. Lucy says, Sorbo's observation is insightful. God's word and message should transcend culture and worldview. And, you know, agree. Yeah, I, yes, to, I, to a degree. And I, I, I can understand where Kevin is coming from, but that would be the same way, uh, that would be the same way as... Um, uh, a radio host on on KBDQ, um, you know, complaining because people are not What's being. KB what is that? It's the uh, Christian radio station oh. here in Portland. Okay. Hmm. Um, it, it's complaining it, because because their program is not well received or or it's watered down by the station. If you listen to local Christian radio. Um, you'll find that there are all kinds of biblical errors in the programming that they allow to be uh, produced, which is one of the reasons why I don't spend a lot of time there. There are quality programs, but but you know you have to be careful. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that I understand what Kevin's saying, but please keep in mind that he's tooting his own horn. He's basically saying, you know, I want this to be more effective and now he wants to lay responsibility for it to be more effective uh, somehow because the church isn't involved in that particular media. But the reality of it is, is the church isn't involved because of the reasons that I've already stated. The church has difficulty understanding that, um, as I said, if you're going to operate in the in, if you're going to operate in the world, you have to understand the standards that are set there. And, and understand it well enough to allow it to be a useful tool without allowing it to suck you in. Mm. And that's the reason why there are very few good Christian businessmen. Because the draw of being in business and being successful is based upon wealth and greed. I think there should be a point made, as I'm thinking about it, that though we don't have a lot of good, you know, overtly Christian media, you know, movies or television, you mentioned a couple at the top of the show that went under the radar that are actually, they are good, you know, they are good production and good acting and good writing and a, a, 
a like a worthwhile message, you know, that is maybe a little bit of a different angle in terms of um, faith. I think the point should be made that most movies that we would deem to have a good message, morally good or whatever, they are Christian in nature, and that's why we see them that way. That's why we see them as good. That and we we use this we use this um, example in church a couple times when Captain America in the first Captain America movie, right? When he jumps on the grenade as a scrawny, p- pathetic little kid uh, or little guy, and everyone else runs away, but he jumps on the grenade. There's a reason why that resonates, right? So though it's not marketed, advertised, you know, there's not a press tour talking about this faith-based film, Captain America. There's a reason why when Captain America jumps on a grenade, it gives us goosebumps, you know, like it, it resonates with our heart because it says something about Christ, you know? So it's, though it's not overtly Christian in nature, like that is what most of the movies that we would walk away from feeling good about, you know, like in our heart, you know, and in our mind, there's a reason for that is because there is there is something that's intrinsic in that movie that touches who we're made in the image of, you know? So I think that point should be made. How you bridge the gap and, you know, make it more clearly defined and connect people, you know, with that, you know, heart heart prime, that image that they're created in, the reason why they resonate with this morality in this movie or that movie, and the reason on the opposite they view that evil as evil um, is is because of, the the Christian the biblical worldview you know so I just feel like that point should be made maybe Kevin should remember that or you know <laughs> yeah well, I, go ahead David. oh okay thanks um so yeah there's certainly a lot of Christian typologies in film um because the Lord still, of the Rings and the Chronicles yeah, of Narnia yeah like, still are, like the biblical the biblical worldview is still ingrained somewhat in our culture and then yeah. we you know the the sacrifice of Christ is uh, is very attractive. Um, you know that sort of uh, laying down your life for your friends uh, that is something that we still see as yeah. uh, um, unconditional as heroic and unconditional virtuous. love and yeah. all these things that we would view as as the highest levels of good are all things that resonate because it because of Christ, right? Like so, it's not it's not missing. It's just there's there's a disconnect for all the reasons that have been mentioned, um, and people. And the reason why people recognize that is because truth resonates, you know, and you can you can push it down, yeah. but the bubbles of truth just come up, you know, um, and we talk about that around here. But jo- uh, you were going to say something real quick. Well, well I, I was just going to point out that that the real uh, so going back to the the what is on the table, the the real issue is is that um, the question has to be asked when you're looking at a script. And trying to d- determine whether you're going to uh, uh, make that script into a you know a screenplay and then subsequently a movie is is um, wh- what's the target? Wh- who's the target audience? And if your if your if your target is to somehow use this uh, film for evangelistic purposes, then your target is not believers. Your target is is a non-believing world, and the difficulty that you're going to have as a scriptwriter is that the non-believing world likes blood and guts and drama and kicking ass, <laughs> and and uh, and and the church, the church has difficulty with that. Hey, I got no problem with kicking butt too. Well, okay, so <laughs> but but so if you're making a movie. And that's going and your target audience is you want the film to be used by God. You, in, in that fashion, then you have to craft the message of Christ wrapped in um, this venue that is going to be acceptable to the non-believing world, at least to to draw them in, and then allow the allow the script to be able then to work itself out. And that and and that's the reason why you have things, for example, like Ben Hur. You know who was uh, that is? If you watch it, it was blood and guts, or the or the drama that was there in the Ten Commandments, or you have movies. So, so all I'm saying is, is that I think that that there are those inside of the uh, Christian world who have difficulty understanding the point of what it is that they're trying to do, and and that's very hard. 
it's very hard to take and be true to the message of Christ uh, and yet use a vehicle that is uh, seems diametrically opposed. Mm. Well, you can't you can't read the Bible from cover to cover without getting a lot of blood and guts. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's present in the biblical narrative. Absolutely, human life is messy. Yeah, you know? right. But um, now we're we're you know we're more holy and we're more righteous, so we don't. It's we Christian virtue signal. Yes, yeah. yes. So <laughs> this is actually a really good segue to. This is actually a really good segue, but I first want to read the comment. The truth is that the church should be setting the standard for excellence in production. Instead, we follow behind those secular efforts that have perfected the industry for their own lusts, like the porn industry. We're always behind the curve. We gave our lead up in the Enlightenment. This is what Josh says. So again, like we, we. Um, we're reactionary. Yeah, I, I agree with Josh. I, I'm, you know, and I'm okay for trying to figure out some type of way to include, you know, some kick-ass and blood and guts, but <laughs> we're going to stop there. We're not going to go towards porn. Yeah. We're just going to, you know. So I mentioned that there was another, there was another actor that was sort of orbiting around the same general topic in terms of the church's output and involvement in movies and television. So, and our, and our, current you know our current conversation regards what people are attracted to lends to right into what he's saying but um i don't know his name off the top of my head he's a character actor he was briefly in breaking bad he's in a new faith-based show called vindication i think it is i don't know anything about that show so really. what pronoun do we use in trying to oh talk we're not going to go there um, but in the article, the suggestion is that we live in a culture who is pumping out content that seems to be getting increasingly darker in theme. The depravity of man depicted at an increasingly gratuitous level. Um, and the actor in, in focus suggests that there's, there's a need for believers to counter the cultural output with content that is more positive, quote unquote. Uh, initial thoughts on that general sort of position he's taking. Well, well the actor's name is Todd Terry. Yes. Yes. Um, do you know the show he's in? His vindication show? No, no, I haven't seen you the seen show. I, you, you read I, the article, yeah. Yeah, I read the article because yeah. he sent it to me. Right. Um, one of the things that I think about that is, uh, I mean, I think there are darker things. I mean, clearly, um, if I don't watch TV a whole lot myself, mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll usually just go for, for a movie or sports. But uh, um, there's a lot of stuff on TV that would not have been on TV when I was a kid. Oh, you know, yeah. oh, I, yeah. I mean, obviously our, our level of censorship has um, exponentially decreased in, in recent years and uh, increased in different ways. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, increased in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, different topic though. Right? Yeah. Different topic, different time, not for here. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, with the, the increased uh, secularization of our culture and, uh, the increase of that and the, I don't know, animosity towards, uh, you know, biblical worldview and that, that sort of thing. There's, there's kind of almost a reactionary thing like, okay, now that we're free of the confines of the biblical worldview, let's get as much as we can out there on the screen and as much is, mm. as, as much that is titillating as possible because titillation gets people back. You know, it, it creates in them that sort of dopamine release mm. and they want more of that. Mm. And uh, so that's kind of what I perceive is going on in television. It's uh, it's something where they're portraying these things not only to to titillate people and to kind of appeal to their baser senses, but there's also this desire to inject into the broader culture the, a, a new morality, if you will. You a, oh, yeah. A yeah. sort of new, sort of uh, prevalent, like okay, this is okay. This sort of relationship, okay. This sort of, uh, yeah. you know, sexuality you, you is it. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you what? It's interesting too. Like, why do you suppose we're fascinated by the gratuitous details, as you were just talking about, as you were talking about? Like, it's a, the Bible doesn't talk about sin in gratuitous detail, like ever, right? It, it leaves it pretty broad in nature. Like, I would say, like Romans 1, it doesn't give details of what the people in Romans 1 are doing. It says they do vile and degrading things. But in movies and television, I mean, do you disagree? Yeah, I definitely do. Like, Go ahead. Like, I think that there's a, there's a lot of gritty detail. It's just in, 
in language that makes it makes it hard to pick it up. But uh, I think like if you go to the Old Testament, you have situations where um, you have the the sibling or the sibling issue with uh, with David. I their names aren't coming to me, but there's Amnon. Okay, basically takes sexual advantage of his sister. Right. And then there's a whole tension then that's created with Absalom. Right. And that creates that entire conflict. Right, because and David didn't deal with it. Exactly, because David just swept it under the rug. Okay. Um, so there's there's some gritty details there. There's Judah and Tamar. There's, uh, there's a lot of different stories in, in the Bible that don't spare us some of the details. But, I mean, maybe you're talking about different details. I mean, I guess... I guess... Maybe it's a semantics issue. I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I, I hear your point. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess to my question, like, why are people fascinated with what 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 is it about the titillation? Like, what does it say about us? You know, would you what conclusion would you draw there in regards to that? Why do we want to see? I mean, we're talking about it in in our sermon arc right now, and we'll talk about it with horror in specific, like tomorrow. Like, what is it about horror and the details that? are encapsulated in that. What is it about violence? What is it about sex and gratuitous detail that, uh, what is, and what does it say about us? Well, so, so media, um, there are two things going on. First of all, at one point media was a reflection of culture and, and, and subsequently, Within the last fifty years, there has been a, a a concentrated effort by by producers and directors um, to uh, use media as as a vehicle to change culture. And so, what we see taking place now is this switch that has taken place. That there's there's a a concentrated effort to to try to get uh, the cultural changes that we see taking place accepted on a wider basis. And in, the, in my way of thinking, uh, the church had, gave, gave up that issue a long time ago. Um, I can only think of a handful of programs where they try to balance... Uh, the nuances of what's happening in the culture with uh, a, uh, a a Christian or, or a moral framework, for for example, uh, the sitcom Blue Bloods, where you know they sit down at the dinner table every week and they have you know, all the families gather around and they discuss the the current issues of their work as police officers and those involved in the justice system Wait, and Blue Bloods so isn't a sitcom. It's not a sitcom. It's okay. a it's it's a it's a, a dramatic right, presentation. Right, right. But I procedural only, cop drama. But I can only think of a couple of things where th that's uh, that's that's the point of how things are done. And I think that the difficulty is is that I'm not see it comes back to money and what is being produced on uh, at the network level and even in movies has to generate income and if it doesn't generate income it's out yeah and and so the how the church responds to that is, I guess, I think exactly the way that Aletheia is trying to address it by saying to the body of believers here that you have, the best that you can do is you have an opportunity before you to familiarize yourself with these various programs and with the issues which are present so that when you're sitting with friends and you're sitting with family and you're sitting with uh, uh, acquaintances and these types of issues come up, you're knowledgeable enough about what is they're trying to transform in the culture and you're knowledgeable enough from the word of God to be able to have an intelligent discussion and, and point out that, that this is not where God's word is at and, and uh, all, this, all this drama that they try to present doesn't have to be if you're, if you're a disciple of Christ. Because people don't want the drama. 
people don't want the drama in their lives, but but uh, but but so much of what people go through, uh, most people find life mundane, and the drama represents uh, something to do, how to deal with the mundane. Yeah, uh, there's uh, one of the articles I was reading in in preparation for last week's sermon. Also had to do with comedies comedy in yeah. specific yeah. addressing people's despair with their mundane life you know and the the irony that is involved in a mundane life well there's no such thing as a mundane life in the in the context of god in your relationship with god but people who don't know that experience that they you know they view comedy as a way to cope with their mundaneness and so it's it's out of context it's out of you mm-hmm. know it's it's from a from a negative standpoint. Um, well, and we were talking about this last group in the subgroup. What I was pointing out is that in order to be uh, in order to be a successful standout comic, you you have to be able to um, work in irony. Yeah. And what draws people in is the fact that you are presenting uh, something in such a way that your audience is drawn in because they themselves experience that. And 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 they are beginning to laugh at the the nonsense, the irony, yeah. which represents, and and right. so it, that's you know. But but the church uh, can definitely use these issues as a tool for everyday conversation in order to inject uh, the the truth of the word of God into the lives of people but that can't be done on a mass media scale it must be done on one by one conversational basis yeah i I agree i mean it's about like what you were talking about with the stand-up comedians um and that practice tapping into that irony it's really at the basic level about story yeah yeah and 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 people want to hear others stories and i think that's that's a lot of what uh what we're missing today when we think about like uh I don't know, like what with what Sorbo was saying, um, you know, like there, there's a story that's crafted in this film, sure, but really people want to hear the, the real stories of people, of individuals, yeah. of people yeah. they're in relationship with. Yeah. Right. And I think that's really the key. And you're exactly right. One-on-one is the most powerful means for doing so. Yes. Yeah. Um, in response to the this Tom Terry is his name uh, uh, Todd Terry. Todd Terry. Believe, yeah. um, Josh says because the guy suggests that you know the church needs to output more positive you know any the actor doesn't really describe what that means other than to maybe suggest it's it's uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean gratuitous anything right but Josh says not more positive that has no meaning what is positive more hopeful in a meaningful way showing that radical change is imminent in a relationship with the real God um, at the least and Christ at its fullest. Because, mm-hmm. um, right. yeah, the actor suggests more positive, but that that's subjective and meaningless, well, right? Well, okay, so when I think of positive, I, I think that is a subjective term. I was just thinking, so my girls have re- we've got re- recently gotten them into Little House on the Prairie, you know, okay. that, that yeah. old show. Yeah. Nice. I, it was something that I watched as a kid, but... Um, it's amazing how there's there's faith intertwined therein, but it also connects them to the struggles of early yeah. settlers. It also um, separates them from the consumeristic mm. nature of our current culture. Right. You know, like for example, there's one scene where Mary and Laura Ingalls each get their own cup for Christmas, <laughs> their own tin cup, and they're like so excited, oh, my own tin cup. And I think about like, what are kids excited about? Oh, PS4, great, thanks. You know that sort of thing. And uh, for my girls, that was significant. I remember those days. A kid's birthday party is the most. I got my first cup. (laughs) A a kid's birthday party is one of the most infuriating things because you put all this thought into a great gift for the kid. Well, if you're if you're treating the relationship right, Right, you put thought into what you're getting the kid and not just going to Fred Meyer and picking the easiest thing on the shelf or whatever. But you put thought into the gift, and the kid opens it and looks, and then they go like this, and they move on to the next one. Right. Point. I mean, when there when there's a stack of forty gifts on the table, what are you gonna do? It's maddening. Like, yeah, yeah, I hate exactly. it. <laughs> it's like, and there's no there's no justice. <laughs> there's no justice at a kid's birthday party. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. Uh, ultimately, I my issue with with this guy is that he's um, 
he's shifting responsibility. It's like it's like back in the day when I actually held down a job. Um, <laughs> if if he's, people he's retired. If, oh, okay. if people would if people would come to me and they would say uh, I got a problem, and then they say what their problem is, and then because my next question to them is going to be, you got any solutions to that problem? What you know? Okay, so I, I hear what you're saying, but what's your input? How how can you improve on the? What what can you do? And nine times out of ten, they don't got nothing. And that's the same way with this guy. It, it's it's a shift of responsibility. You know, the church should do this. That there is bovine excrement. The, the church. That's a thing. Is He's not, trying to make it a thing. The 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 church. Is the church has the church's responsibility is to is to uh, is to mature the body of Christ. That's the church's responsibility. Now, inside of that, God lifts up people with the gift of evangelism, and people are brought into the church by the changed lives of the participants. And by those who have the gift of sending out God's message, saying, come. But it is the responsibility of the church to mature believers. Not all this other nonsense. Yeah, to, mm. make, to make disciples who make disciples. That's correct. Mm. We have four minutes. <laughs> Let's see if we can address this. Boy, this goes quick. Let's see if we can address this in four okay. minutes. I'll try to be as quick as possible on my end. Okay, so Disney, once again in the headlines for its, you know, wokeness and pandering. Um, they released a, a whole, there's a whole thing within Marvel Comics, uh, Star Wars being a part of Disney. And it's a whole thing. You know, in the Star Wars comics, they did a sweeping thing where they made all these characters uh, as officially part of the LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus community. Many of them obscure characters that you probably never heard of. Um, and then they made Lando Calrissian um, officially, um, what did they say, pansexual? Or, or, or he he's did, part of the LGBT he community. He did always seem androgynous to me. In the Solo movie, the writer of the movie Solo um, basically said, yeah, I, I, I believe or I wrote him to be pansexual. You know, And there's, there's not much in the movie that really gives to that. When they wrote that character, that term wasn't even around. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, But he named the guy Lando. That's true. <laughs> I always thought that was a cool name, for the record. <laughs> Lando. Lando Calrissian. Um, anyways, they recently, they recently officially said, okay, this character, Lando Calrissian, is part of the LGBT community. And then, you know, there's some, there's, of course, support of it, but then there's also feedback of it. The, the the question at hand is less about the fact that they did it and more about a comment that I saw within within the article. Um, a couple of the comments say it just seems like they're they are adding it now. wasn't It wasn't original the the original intention with him. And if he was originally pansexual, how could he resist Solo, for example, his best friend? <laughs> That's a fair question, <laughs> because he seemed to only be interested in Leia in the movies. Um, and then some noted that Calrissian had a wife in the Star Wars novels. And then the the, the last comment that I want to hone in on. I'll never understand the constant changing of already existing characters to pander and suit agendas. One person wrote, what's so hard about just making up a new character that represents your ideas? Why do you suppose, this is quickly got a couple minutes, why do you suppose they retrofit these ideologies on pre-existing characters? Is there a specific like tactic involved, do you think, in that? Or is it is it trying to pervade something deeper? Like why why don't they just make a new character in the Star Wars universe like what is it about trying to retrofit ideology on the old characters? They turn Maleficent into misunderstood rather than just evil, as we constantly bring up on here. R Landel Calrissian, he's always been whatever, you know, terms that aren't, haven't even been <laughs> around in the culture when it was made. Why do you, th do you think that there's like something deeper in that, you know, like a deeper, a deeper sort of tactic, a more nefarious thing at play when you are trying to retrofit sinful whatever onto these culturally, you know, hugely culturally significant characters? Or do you think it's just an easy way to pander to the cultural norm? You want us to address that in two minutes? I want you to try. 
Have you thought about it before? Well, I, I think you like the retrofitting. People of... already love him, okay. right? And so if he is uh, a member of that, uh, you know, community, right? Uh, then, you know, oh, I've been loving someone who's uh, this character who's been pansexual, all, you know, so all this time. Yeah, so it, yeah, it normalizes it in some sense, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't know. the The rewriting of the characters is not for those who grew up with the character the rewriting of the character mm. is mm. for those the new who audience discovering yeah. the right. character right. and so you have the well, and that's the probably why this guy is all offended because he's like hey this is not who he is he's he that, grew up with the character that that's exactly right <laughs> and and so you have you have uh, you have that nuance and i would just say that it's it's for that purpose and also the writers are lazy i like that one <laughs> they're just lazy <laughs> They don't want to write <laughs> new material. It's much easier just, just to say, hey, he was this. Yeah. Duh. All right. You can think about that more on your own time. Folks, we're up for time today, so thank you to Dan for coming by and being on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks, of course, to Pastor Monty, and uh, we'll see you guys in, in a couple weeks on the next episode. views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance